Thank you for tuning in to First Assembly in Youngsville, Louisiana, where it's our vision to be a place to meet with God. We pray that you will find this message to be both encouraging and empowering as we go deeper into the Word of God through Spirit-empowered, life-giving, Christ-centered ministry. For more information about First Assembly or to catch up on previous messages, you can visit our website at firstassembly.place. This morning we're in a brand new series called This Is Us, and today we're talking about family. So let's pray before we get into the Word, and I'm excited for what God's going to do. I know I felt His presence this morning. Two times somebody has referenced an angel in that corner this morning, Doc. Two times. So He's doing something. So let's pray. Lord, we just thank You for Your presence. Thank You for being a good God, for being an on Lord, we look forward to what You're going to do in each one of our hearts this morning. Lord, I pray that You'd use me as Your vessel. Lord, that we would hear your word, Lord, that we would be changed by your word this morning. Lord, we come expecting. Lord, we pray this in your name. Amen. So, we're talking about this is us, the family, and I, I remember, you know, back a few years ago, I made this small decision that, that made a life-changing course, right? Anybody ever made this small decision? You think it's just nothing, but then all of a sudden it becomes everything, and I was a 14-year-old boy, sitting at home, minding my own business, right? I don't know how many of you guys are those introverted. You just, I can go home, give me a pizza and a TV, and I'm good. Like, I don't need anything else, and I was happy. And uh, 14 years old, I remember the phone ringing, and uh, it wasn't one of these phones, because these didn't exist yet. It was, you know, the actual pick it up, and there's a cord, and it was, it was amazing. And, uh, I, and, and my mom answered the phone because... I didn't answer the phone because nobody ever called me, and she said, somebody's calling for you, would you want to take it? And so I took the phone call, and there was a young lady that was inviting me to go to a dance. Fourteen, guys, I mean, I went to the dance. I mean, uh, I showed up, and it was a weird dance. We were in a small town. If you were raised in a small town, things are a little different. Uh, you do the dances where you can do the dances, and this dance was held in none other than the DAV Hall. The Disabled American Veterans is where all the teenagers were going to hang out. And uh, so I showed up, and for some reason, the price of admission that day was $4.50. I don't know who was in charge of coming up with that price, but it's an odd price. Either do $4 or do $5, 50 cents. But I think there was a, there was a plan in place because when I got there, the, the young girl who was, who was taking the, the money was dressed in a Calvin Klein t-shirt and a Calvin Klein hat and some blue jeans, and, and she nicely asked as I paid my, I gave $5, hey, can I keep your change? And what are you going to, I mean, I'm like, sure, keep your 50 cents. And I'm just thinking, you know, if, if 50 people came through and she took 50 cents each, it's, it's a racket. And she's, she's taking money off the top, but... That wasn't what I was there for, and so I went and found my group of friends, and, you know, they're playing music, and it's, it's all the awkwardness. Our dances are different. We do some of the dances y'all do. You guys want to see some of them? No, I'm not going to do any of those. The, the teenagers' dances now, they're just kind of, they're different. I don't know. And uh, so they were dancing. There's music playing, and, and um, you know, I'm, I'm being my super extroverted self, and I found the nearest wall, and I put my back to it because... I was scared. There was people. <laughs> I didn't want to talk to any people, but I wanted to be at the dance. 
but I won't talk to anybody. I know there's some of you that just relate with this. You can feel it. It's just this inner turmoil. And so I was, I was wrestling with it. And uh, the girl then invited me. She was off dancing with her people, doing whatever. And, 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 and here comes Calvin Klein t-shirt girl. And she comes up to me and she says, hey, do you want to dance? Again, my mama didn't raise any four. I said, yes, I want to dance. And so I was the best dancer that ever danced, dance. It was a slow song, right? And so I was raised, right? My mama said, leave a little room for the Holy Spirit. So we were like, <laughs> I mean, there, there was a lot of, I mean, you could put a few thick Bibles in between us. We were fine. It really wasn't about the Holy Spirit. I was, I was just scared. I didn't know what to do. I'd never done that before. And I didn't want to mess it up, and I messed it up anyway. And so anyway, long story short, the night goes on, and, and I don't dance with anybody else because that was enough. That was, I thought I was going to die. It was, it was enough. And uh, so I go home. My mom picked me up because I wasn't old enough to drive. And, and I'm up in my bedroom, and I'm just happy. Like, I did it. I, did, I went to a dance, and I didn't die. And a girl danced with me. Like, this is a win for the century. And then the phone rings again. And surely it's not for me. But again, I get the call from my mom from downstairs. Hey, the phone's for you. Come take it. So I come down, and it's, it's that first girl who invited me to the dance. And I thought, oh boy, I'm about to get it. Because she invited me to the dance. But I didn't dance with her, and like, this is going to be bad. And she said, hey, that, that, that girl you dance with, she, she, wants, uh, she wants to know if you want to be her boyfriend. And I'm like, hold up. <laughs> it must not have been too bad of a dance. That's all I'm just saying. It must not have been too bad. And of course, I said yes, and I ran downstairs to let my brother know that I had a girlfriend, and he didn't, because I had to let him know, and that girl's name was none other than Sunshine. And so, you know, small changes in your life can make a big difference down the road, and, and I didn't really know all that was happening there. Little did I know that come this May, 24 years later, that we would have seven children, that we would have been married for... 19 years that we would be living in Louisiana, like, and I think back, what if I didn't go to the dance? What if? I didn't know, and sometimes, sometimes God is working things out when we don't even know it, that he's ordaining our steps and that we just step into it, and it seems like coincidence, but he's got a plan for us, and that he's putting it all together. See, that was the beginning of my not-so-small family, right? That was the beginning of everything that you see, all the little minics you see running around and, and doing the thing. Like, that was the beginning, a disabled American veteran dance. Like, it makes perfect sense. <laughs> and so I was already blessed with a, with a, a good family, and uh, I didn't know how blessed I was. I know growing up, you know, we had grandma and grandpa, aunts, uncles, uh, we didn't have any of the, the weird phrases, you guys. We actually called them aunts and uncles. But uh, we had uh, the whole family came around all the time and, and cared for each other and checked up on each other. And, 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 and we had a good uh, uh, thing going. I, even, I didn't realize how blessed I was to have my parents live with me. Like I had my actual biological parents. They're in the back today hearing me preach for the first time. Like this... This is a blessing that I just didn't, I didn't even realize that, they, that God had put that family together for me. And, you know, I didn't realize, though, 
that God was putting together something much more. That what he put together that no man could tear apart, that no man could separate. And so today we're talking about the family. We're talking about this is us, church. This is us, family. God has given us the family that God has ordained it, that God has created it, and that God restores the family. God ordained the family as the basic building block for our society. He's the one that put it into place. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, we're getting way deep into the Bible, but we're going to start in Genesis chapter 2. That's probably the second, third page in your Bible. If you want to turn there, it'll be on the screen behind me. But Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says, And the Lord said, God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. This verse contrasts the creation narrative. Because if you catch a word in there, it says, it is not good. It's the first time you hear God say, it's not good. There's a problem. It's not good. See, you see in, in earlier verses, in chapter 1, we see all the creation, right? We've all learned that. We've seen that he created the earth, and in six days he put everything together, and on the seventh day he rests. But in verse 4, and verse 10, and verse 12, and verse 18, and verse 21, and verse 25, God punctuates those creations by saying, it is good. He created the water. It is good. He created the land. It is good. He created the creatures in the, in the, in the water. It is good. He created the, the animals that roam the earth. It is good. Day and night. All of this. And says, it is good. But then we get to verse 18 of chapter 2, and he says, it's not good. There's a problem. We, 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 we have a problem. We have to, 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 to rectify this. Uh, when David was practicing earlier, I didn't tell him before he got into worship, but that last song, I started laughing as I was sitting in Pastor Joe's office because the song is called The Goodness of God, and in my notes it says, each verse emphasizes the goodness of God's creation. Each verse each separate verse, he took time. God could have just ran through that. I mean, how many of us would have just been real quick to be like, okay, I created this, 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 and it was good. He didn't say it like that. He said, I, cre he, he said, I created the light. It was good. I created the seas and the land. It was good. I created the plants. Good. Day and night. Good. I created sea creatures and, and birds. Good. And the animals that roam the earth. Good. I know he's God, but he was impressed with himself. Like, it was good. It was so good he said it over and over and over again. And in fact, on the sixth day, when he had finished everything, he doesn't just say it was good. He said it was very good. Very in there. It went beyond. But in verse 18, it takes us back to just before the end of that sixth day. It, it brings us back in time, just before God's work was completed, and there was one thing left. There was one thing that God had to rectify. He had to rectify that one, it's not good. Had God just closed the book and not rectified it, things would not have been right. This is the beginning of creation. This is before sin. This is before anything wrong had happened. And God wasn't about to stop the, his job without making sure that it was all good. 
See, you have to understand everything was complete. He had created the stars. He created the moons, the planets. He created the earth. He created all the vegetation. He had, he had put water there. He had separated the, the earth from the heavens. He had done everything. The air that you breathe, he put it here. The light that you see, he put it here. All of it. He had done everything, and there was one thing, one thing left to make it complete. Just one thing. In verse 20 of chapter 2, it says, So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. This was the one thing that was lacking. God knew that it was not good for man to be alone. You know, I've read this verse before and I thought, you know, was he hoping that one of these other creations, did he think that possibly one of these other creations would be that companion? I don't know what that was there, but he looked at it and God said, it's not, it's not finished. It's not going to be okay for, for Adam and his and his friend Bessie the cow to just worm the earth. Like, that's not good. He needs a companion suitable for him. He needs a companion that's right for him. And in verse 22, we see this accomplished. Genesis 2, 22 says, Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, and he brought her to the man. God established the family as his chosen way to build humanity. This is the beginning. I know it seems very simple, and we feel like, some of you may feel like you're back in Sunday school and you're getting taught something very, very simple, but understand, God is God. And he could have chose how to set this up any way he wanted to. He was in charge. Who was going to tell God what to do? There was nothing else. It was just him. He created out of nothing. And his chosen way to complete it was to put a man with a woman and start a family. God ordained it. God created it. God made that family. God's the one that instituted it. I didn't come up with it. No man that walked this earth came up with the concept. God did it at the very beginning. Genesis 2.24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Jesus even quoted this. In Matthew 9, 19.5, to show the sanctity of marriage. God from the beginning said, this is good. It was this piece here. It was just taking that one rib and creating woman that took it from good to very good. Look, I did okay in school. I could have done better. God wasn't okay doing okay in creation. He wanted to do better. He wanted to have a plan and a purpose and, and to put it in here. And his way was the family. So look, this today, what, what, is this, what does this all mean for us? It's, it's the sanctity of marriage. It's the, the, the family that we, we are talking about this morning. But it, it burdens my heart to think about what the attack looks right now against the family. That this is a great story, and probably most people that you talk to would say, I, 
I've, I've read that. Even if they're not a churchgoer, even if they're not a follower of Christ, I've, I've heard of Adam and Eve. I've read the story. I've seen a cartoon. I've, I've, I've had a little picture book when I was a kid. But they don't grasp what's there. They don't grasp that God was very purposeful in establishing that family. You know, even telling them to be fruitful and multiply to go and begin having children to populate the earth, that, that, that Adam and Eve started this. You know, even after sin had come into this world, and Adam and Eve had, had, had eaten of that, that tree, and they, 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 they had brought sin upon themselves, we know how the story continues. That evil becomes greater and greater, and, and to the point where God says, this is enough. Right? We'll go to our second Sunday school lesson here. Noah decided that he, God decided that Noah was the man, right? That he's supposed to build an ark, that he's supposed to two by two put him on the arky arky, right? Like all that stuff. But who did, he, who did God say, take with you, Noah? Did he say, take Bill and Fred and Paul, your buddies? No, he said, take your wife, take your three sons and their wives, take your family. On the ark with you. Look, we're talking about God ordained it, God created, God restored it. God kept the family even through the great flood. He could have redone it then. That was chance number two. Because said, this isn't working. The family is a bad idea. We should get rid of the family. This, this, this is just not working. Scrap it. Crumple up that paper and throw it away. We're going to go in a different way. But he didn't. He took Noah and his wife and his three sons and their wives and put them on the ark and continued to build his society, to build his kingdom here through the family. But we live right now, and, and it's not something new to our culture, where there's a real attack against what the family is. That, that if you sit here and you think, oh, no, no, the family, it's, it's the traditional family. It's, it's good. Like, everybody loves it. They don't. The enemy, the enemy hates it. You know, the fact that I stand here creeping up, I've got like less than a year and a half until I've been married for 20 years. That is insane. It's insane for me. I can't imagine what my parents are thinking in the back. There's no way that their son's old enough to be married for 20 years. Right? I'm like 25 years old. Why are you laughing? I don't understand. But that's not the normal anymore. It's a real and growing attack. Look, divorce has become common. In fact, it's not just become common, but divorce has become very easily accessible. And most people stand and they want to have a church wedding. And they'll stand up and they'll have a pastor do their wedding and, 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 and declare them, them man and wife. But I wonder if they really mean what they say when they say, till death do us part, through better or worse. Or are they really saying, until times get tough, until the finances dry up, until you're too sick for me to take care of, until something better comes along, because now at the drop of a hat, we have access to divorce 
And not that I'm, I'm, I'm down in any, anybody who's been through that. It's terrible, and, and I pray for you. But, man, it's something that we should try to rid our society of. It should be less common, not more common, than what it is. But society wants to continue to push that, and it's continued to be this thing that's it's just okay. You know, couples, even young couples that are, are beginning a relationship are told before you go off and, and spend all that money on a ring and before you go and, and get that cake and that photographer and, and that church and all the money that you're going to spend on a wedding, why don't you just kick the tires on that for a little bit? You know, it might be a really good idea for you, instead of to, to, to stand and keep yourself pure and to keep yourself how God had, had created you and have, have integrity and to have, have, have respect for yourself, why don't you guys just go ahead and move in with each other? Why don't you just go ahead and live together for a couple of years and see if this thing's going to work? Hey, we avoid divorce this way. But is that not common? Where we, where we say it's okay, it's fine. Look, they're just, they're just figuring things. Times are tough. Money's tight. If we live together, we can pull our money together and things can be easier. What does the, the marriage certificate really do for us anyway? It's just a piece of paper. Just go and, and be together and live together. But that's what we're told is okay. And, and most, not most, but, but a lot of these relationships, they have no intent of ever having a covenant relationship with that man or that woman. I can tell you right now, if you can't have a covenant relationship with another person on this earth, you're going to have a hard time having a covenant relationship with your father. You think it's hard to, to be faithful to somebody that you can see. Try to be faithful to the great I am that you can't see, you can't touch. But yet, it's okay. This is, what we're, this is the way that we're choosing to go. This is the attack against the family. Look, casual sex is not a big deal. We're, look, if you watch any television at all, if you go into public at all, like, it's not a big deal. It's happening all the time. There's, there's diseases and, and issues that we deal with in this world because we have not followed God's plan for the family. There are things that exist that should never exist. But because we, we have a better plan. We have a better plan than what God had for us. These things come into play. Our sin brings them into play. I'm not unguilty of this. I've sinned. I've brought things into my life that I don't need in my life. You know, with that casual view on sex and relationships, now we have this attack against even that child that's unborn. You know, abortion's a problem. And, and, I, and my heart breaks for those that have went through that because they've been told, I know young ladies. Look, I've been a youth pastor for 20 years. I've ministered to thousands of youth. I know personally young ladies who have went through abortions because they felt like they had no other option. And they were told that they had no other option. And they were told that this was the best plan. And now, years later, they hurt and they're broken 
and they feel like something has been stolen from them. Why? Because we're told this is the option. This is the way to do it. This is easier than a commitment. It comes back to that covenant relationship again. It is tough to have children. I have seven. It's tough, but they're my blessing. Like, I've got arrows in my quiver. Like, I've got a retirement plan. One of them's going to take care of me. Please, God, one of them take care of me. But we're told it's okay, even to the point where marriage, you know, as I was a child, I never thought about marriage being anything but a man to a woman, but now our gender lines are blurred. You know, I saw an article the other day that, that, that a man who, who um, was, was a registered sex offender is let out of jail because he's now transgender. I mean, what, what are we doing? Just because I say that I'm something else, I'm something else? That's not how it works. And I'm not attacking those that are going through that and, they, and their minds are, are, are confused. Is because that's, that's the truth, is that, that the enemy has gotten into their mind, that, that they, they are confused, that they don't really know the decision that they're making because they've never heard who they really are. If they could get a hold of God and see who he's created them to be, they wouldn't want to change their gender. They wouldn't want to be transgender. They would be who God created them to be because the same one who created this universe created them. But we blur the lines because there's a real attack against the family. Watch any television show and show me a family that represents what God wants the family to be. I'm sure you can find it, but you're going to have to look. Because I can real quick name you 10 to 20 families that represent a man who's not strong, who's not protecting his wife, that's not providing for his kids. I can show you a, 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 a couple that has split, but yet are living together and trying to make it work while divorced and not, not living that family outright. I can, I can show you homosexual couples that are raising. I can show you all of the gambit of the ways God didn't design the family. But it's hard for me to find a good godly example of the family on television. Tell me that they're not attacking what God put together. Family's important. It's God's building block. He chose the family, to build society. The enemy would like nothing better than for us to give up on that, for us to, to, to trade it in. Look, God's plan has been made to be outdated and ineffective. Marriage to one person, commitment to one family, has become unrealistic in our society. It's, it's a dream. It's, it's a fairy tale. It's something that's unachievable. I'm here to tell you, it's absolutely achievable. But you've got to be willing to fight for it. You've got to be willing to lay the groundwork. Look, in spite of the cultural turn, tone on the family and marriage, I believe God's plan is the best and still works today. I can remember back, I don't know how old I was. I can't do the math. Uh, but I remember that we did a big celebration for my grandmother and my grandfather. That, that they got married very young like I did. That's what I thought was normal. You turn 18, get married. Like, that's what we did. And so they got married very young. And I remember being a young boy 
and going to a, a fancy restaurant. I don't know how fancy it was as a kid. Felt really, really fancy. I don't know. Had more than chicken nuggets, so it was fancy. <laughs> and so we went, and we had a back room, and we filled that thing with all kinds of people, and there was cake, and, and we were celebrating my grandparents' 50th wedding anniversary. 50 years. To me, it's like, man, as long as there's cake for every year, let's do this thing. I didn't understand what 50 years meant. If I was 10, I, I, that's probably about where I was at. I, I have no idea how old that I was. But we went in and, and seeing all of our family members, because my, my grandfather and grandmother only had two, two kids. They had my mother and my uncle. But there was way more than just like 10 of us there. It felt like everybody was there because we were celebrating something that was uncommon. 50 years of a committed relationship. Look, I had a bedroom in my grandparents' house. I, I slept there school nights because it was easier for them to get me up and go to school because my parents worked first shift. Look, I know that their marriage wasn't perfect. I heard them bicker. I saw them get aggravated. I saw them worry about things. I saw them go through trials. I saw Grandpa have to get up and go work for, for 40 plus years at, at, at Goodyear Tire. It wasn't like easy, but yet they stayed committed. I've seen it happen. There's those of you in this congregation right now that have been married for that long or longer. I commend you. That's, that's my goal. Like if the Lord doesn't come back, I want to hit 50 years. I want to hit 60. How many can we hit, baby? 70? Can we do 70? Maybe. We could do it. We'd be in our late 80s. We could do it. 70 years. It's a goal. It can be done. Look, the family, I know it's important because beyond talking about him establishing it in Genesis and talking about him keeping it through the flood, you know, we talked a lot in our worship and, and when Doc came up about, and, 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 and Sean this morning about Jesus coming, him laying his life down as a sacrifice for all of our sins, that's why we're here. We have an opportunity to be a part of his family. But even beyond that, when Jesus came as a baby, he was born into a family. He had a mom and a dad. He had brothers. Probably had sisters. I don't know. He had a family. God chose to send his son to be raised on this earth by a family. If the son of God is part of a family, the family must be pretty important. It's an amazing, simple, simple thing that I think maybe we take a little bit for granted. See, when we choose family, and I hope that each one of you here choose family, we need to commit ourselves to our family as God has committed himself to us. That's a big statement. I don't think you guys got it. If we're going to choose to be part of the family, we have to commit ourselves to our family as God has committed himself to us. It's the same God that we talk about that never failed, that he, he, he keeps his promises, that he is, he is there through the thin and the thin, that he's fighting your battles with all of this, that that's the commitment level. Is that our commitment level? How many times we're God's children? How many times have we hurt him? 
How many times have we broken his heart? How many times have we made it difficult for him, but yet he stands there and he says, come back to me, I love you. Your family's going to hurt you. It's going to happen. It's not going to be perfect. It's going to be tough. I mean, we get two brothers at the very beginning, Cain and Abel, and one kills the other one. Like, it's quick. Like, it's messy. But it's about that covenant relationship. It's about that commitment to what's going on. I, I'm going to read this passage. It's a little bit of a long passage, but if, and you guys have heard it before, but out of Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as, the, as, as to the Lord. For the husband is head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husband in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by word, that he might present her to himself a, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in, partic in particular so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see she respects her husband. I don't have a picture of what the family's going to look for you. If you had asked me when I was 18 years old getting married what my family would look like, it would be vastly different than what it actually does. I love and, and cherish each one of my kids, but never did I think that I was going to have seven children. But this is us. We're the family. Never did I think that my, my parents were going to battle through two years of health issues and end up buying the house right next door. God's good. You know, each one of your families is going to look a little different. That's okay. Don't, don't strive for the perfect family. I don't know that it exists. But you can make it what God wants you to make it. You have to be committed to making the family what it's supposed to be. See, the key to the family is God at the center. And that if God isn't at the center of the family, I'm telling you, you're going to struggle. And you're likely going to fall. I wrote here, our, our strength together allows us to stand and do what God has called us to do. There's days where I'm doing a little better than my wife. There's some days the kids are doing better than both of us. But we help to support each other, to lift each other up. Why? Because we've made a covenant relationship. You know, we have 
a wedding ring. And, and I've done one wedding. I did it. It was, it was strange because the, the, the young man who got married uh, got a tattoo instead of the ring. And uh, I struggled with that because I was like, I always, you know, when, when I've heard the, the wedding ring talked about, the reason it's a ring is because it's unending. There's no end. It's just circular. It goes and goes and goes. There's no end to it. I told that young man, just like the ring, he had tattooed all the way around his finger. And it was permanent. Not that I'm encouraging people to go get a tattoo for your ring, but he had done something that was, it was a long, lifelong commitment. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt me at all to take my ring off. It doesn't hurt. For him to take his ring off, it's going to cause actual physical pain. He's committed to his wife. He's committed to that family. So I was, I was going to close today and just have us do communion as a family, and we're going to do that in a little bit. But I feel like I want to invite our, our prayer team to come forward. So I want to take just a, a few minutes here and give an opportunity uh, as the worship team is, is going to begin playing once we get to this. But I want to give an opportunity for those that are, are in a battle with your family right now. And the prayer team can come forward. Uh, we're... we're we're going to have a couple opportunities, and, and, and just please come to, to whoever and, and let them know what, how you want them to pray for you specifically. But uh, two things pop to mind is, is your family under attack right now? Do you need somebody to stand with you in that gap? Do you need somebody to pray that restoration prayer for your family? God sustained the family through Noah. He cares to restore the family. He cares about your family just as much as that. So that's the first response. The second response is maybe you've got a family, but maybe you, you haven't had the opportunity to put Christ as the center of it. And I want to invite you to come forward and to allow Christ to be at the center of your family. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite you to come forward. Lord, we thank you for your institution of the family. Lord, we thank you for that covenant relationship, Lord, that we get to have with each other and that we get to have with you. Lord, I pray for each one of us in this place, Lord, that, that, that we would be bold enough to stand and let somebody pray with us, Lord. I want to see strong families, strong marriages, relationships with children, Lord, that we see the next generation come up. Lord, we know that you're working this, Lord, and we look forward to hearing those testimonies, Lord, through this, Lord. We pray this in your name. Come forward. We hope that you found this message to be both a blessing as well as challenging. If you would like more information or to leave a comment or prayer request, please visit our website at firstassembly.place. Thank you for tuning in to First Assembly, a place to meet with God.